Well, nice to nice to be meeting with everybody again, even though it's through wires and lenses and and the uh, electromagnetic waves. But here we are together. Uh, I did have a question to start off. I want you to raise your hand if you're tired of everything we've gone through in the last month or so with the coronavirus, and you just want life to go back to normal. Raise your hand. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I see y'all. You know, the safety, predictability, and convenience of our lives prior to the virus have all been affected. We might not have had our lives figured out completely, but 2019 sure seems like it was a whole lot better than the last several months. For Christians, someone who believes in Jesus, the question that can lurk in the back of our consciousness is, God, what are you doing? I'm experiencing the opposite of joy and peace in my life. I don't understand why you're allowing this to come into my life. Well, you know, we've all had those questions and uh, we, we may have them now, uh, consciously or subconsciously. Uh, Bible characters had those kinds of questions too. David, Job, Habakkuk, and even Paul. In each case, they learned that God was bigger than the kind of mental box that they, they thought of him in. I've been thinking about boxes. Uh, virus, not contained, it's sort of like Pandora's box. It's escaped, the virus is on the loose. Social distancing, I walked into our pharmacy and they've got taped boxes, squares taped on the floor. And that's so that you'll stay in your box six feet away from others when in the checkout line. Quarantine, living in a box, the box which is our home. And then cabin fever, walls closing in, horizons walled off, our lives shrinking down till we feel like they can fit in a box. You know, psychologists tell us that we naturally develop a set of mental, mental models or boxes. They're called schemas which are patterns of thought or behavior we use to organize the world around us and make sense of it and help us uh, make decisions and live. Uh, it's our way of making sense of the world. Without it, we'd be lost if we couldn't put things into patterns. As we experience God, we build up our understanding of him into a mental picture. A picture, a picture usually sits in a frame and that frame defines what is in the picture that's what is inside the frame and what's not in the picture, what's outside the frame. Just like a box defines something or some space inside as distinct from what's outside. You know, the mental box that we have for God is how we become sure of who God is, that he isn't manipulative, that he's not evil, but it it's defines a space distinct from the outside and we have a mental box that we've developed for God. We're sure that he's not evil, he's not manipulative, he's not even fickle. We know who God is and those things are very important. It's a natural process. However, there's a little bit of a problem with it and that is if we just think God's only in the box that we have in our mind, then uh, things can throw us the problem's not with us, the problem's with God, because he doesn't fit boxes. He has no boundary walls. He has no top and bottom, no sides. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 55. 
you know, Isaiah was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, just before the uh, Babylonians swooped in and took them into captivity. Uh, in Isaiah 55, we read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher from than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than yours. You know, it's interesting, he uses kind of the idea of heaven and earth. And of course, the ancients, for the ancients, that sky above, the heaven above, was something they couldn't reach, even though they had no clue of how far they were looking from a scientific standpoint. We know from the Hubble telescope that the furthest star it's been able to see is five billion light years away. Uh, that means light takes five billion years to leave that light source, that star, and arrive here so that we can actually perceive it. Five billion years away. It's sort of saying that uh, he is higher than us you know, to the same degree that we are higher than the simplest life form. Uh, there's just a huge gap, an unmeasurable gap between God and us. He exceeds any of the ordinary experience and he spans space and time in addition. So he's trying to communicate to us here that he is different than us. Uh, further, he's unique. There's nothing to compare him to. He said, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. Because of that, we can't really have a mental box and feel like and know that that is all that God is. We have to recognize he's going to be outside that box. However handy having an idea of who God is, uh, is for us. So God is unique. We cannot fully know him. We cannot fully know him, and uh, he's what we call transcendent. He's unknowable. Uh, so, and it even starts right with his name. Uh, it, we read, we had in our Exodus series early in the book, God introducing himself to Moses as I am. Tell him the I am has sent you. He's the fullness of being. He's always present with his people. Uh, Jesus even said, before Abraham was, I am, one of his claims to be God. Uh, in Isaiah, he also writes in God's voice, I am the first and I am the last. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. And God declares that in the verse in Isaiah, we just, uh, I just cite, there's no one beside me. And then he says in verse seven, the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all things. And it's hard for us to have those disparate ideas sometimes in our minds that here's the God that creates well-being. Here's the God that uh, is uh, the one who uh, is consistent with the things that happen uh, here on earth, particularly something like this that's out of, uh, entirely out of control. In addition to being unique, God is perfect. No mistakes. 
And he's the only one that can say that. You know, back in the days of Louis XIV, the King of France, at the turn of the 18th century, he built this, this great building in Versailles, the, the castle at Versailles. And you would find the letter L and the sun symbol sort of throughout in the decorations. He substantially reformed France's government into a more stable political body and declared, I am the state. He was highly regarded king, known as the Sun King and Louis the Great. Of course, he helped encourage those kinds of titles. You know, on September 1st, 1715, we read the story of Jean-Baptiste Massillon, who delivered the eulogy for the late King of France after he died. He began, as he spoke in the church, with a simple declaration, God alone is great, my brethren. And legend has it that at these words, Massillon's audience jumped to their feet in disbelief at the sheer audacity of a preacher who would diminish the king's majesty at his funeral. Uh, but what that uh, priest said was right. God alone is great. He's the one that's perfect. And what happens in our, our thinking, in our minds, is sometimes we can uh, add an approach to God that isn't fully on the mark. It helps us try to figure out who God is, try to, to shoehorn him into our box. Three of the approaches, three distinct views is uh, you can have a you can think of God in terms of a primary attribute. I know some people that uh, that do that sometimes. They'll talk about well, God is holy, and His love is a holy love, and His righteousness is a holy righteousness, and uh, or God is loving, and His mercy is a loving mercy, and His even His judgment is a loving judgment. And to do that, I think fails to appreciate the fact that God is perfect, complete, no mistakes. Every attribute is fully expressed in him. That's similar to the second one, a mix of attributes. God is not part love, part holiness with a dash of grace. Uh, he, is, we, uh, he is love. He is holy. He is grace or gracious. Each attribute is distinct, complete, perfect, and fully realized in the character of God. The third one is kind of balancing attributes. It would be a mistake to assume that God's mercy balances out his judgment. Uh, again, that's, God is not a happy medium between attributes that appear to be out further on the extremes. Uh, when we get this wrong, bad theology is a result, and bad theology results in a bad view or picture of God, and, and then uh, we are not able to be transformed as fully into the image of God as he wants. God is perfect and complete. Uh, let me tell you the story about the pianist Vladimir Horowitz. He was slated to perform uh, in Chicago in 1985. He had not played in a long time. He was considered one of the greatest virtuosos of the piano. And there was a, a, a technician 
Franz Moore, who was the chief concert technician for Steinway and Sons. And his assignment was to make sure the piano was in perfect condition. And he did so to the best of his ability, as only a, a chief technician can do. He got every note just so, and he wasn't able to relax until Horowitz had given a brilliant rendering of his first number. As was his custom, the pianist left the stage. But then time went by and he didn't return. Moore was summoned backstage. Where have you been? exclaimed Horowitz. I cannot play again. The piano stool is far too high. Well, Moore was aghast and inquired as to the size of the problem. Horowitz held up his hand, his thumb and his forefinger about a quarter inch apart. Too high. True perfection is really elusive for humans. We try and we try and we can do it. We, we really don't understand true perfection. But God is truly perfect beyond any limits that we can think of for that perfection. And he's complete. Well, a third thought I just wanted to mention to you in regard to this idea of God and boxes is that God is better than our best thoughts. You know, I've never had a thought about God that is better than he actually is. I've never had a thought about God that's bigger than God actually is. I've never had a thought about God that imagines him to be more involved in my life than he actually is. I've never had a thought about God that sees him as more loving than he actually is. We could go on and on with that. We can't overthink, outthink, outdistance our thoughts in regard to God and who he is and what he feels. My best thoughts are to some degree inaccurate, limited and unworthy of the God I'm trying to imagine and talk about. God lives beyond any box. And that leads us because he's transcendent, unknowable, into a life that's filled with awe and filled with worship. You know, we've talked about God who's unique, God who's perfect, God who's better than our best thoughts, and uh, how all of those things lead us to realize, you know, God is bigger than our box. Box is handy, but we can't limit our thinking to the box. One of the little flags of that that pop up in our mind is when we find ourselves with the uh, expressing our concerns and our questions, what's going on, God? What are you doing here during this coronavirus uh, period of time? And we don't always get a full answer to that. But one thing we do know is that God continues to be at work, regardless of how we feel. God continues to be uh, wanting to be our God and wanting us to love him in spite of the fact that we feel like our lives are being shrunk down or, uh, or that we are completely unsettled because of the current circumstances. We've got to fix ourselves on God. Uh, I had a, a quote I wanted to read. Um, this is from uh, Isaiah 57, kind of sticking in that book today. Uh, it's from Isaiah 57. For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, 
whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who's contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. That's certainly my prayer today uh, for me and for you. Uh, I need to let God be God. Let him overflow my box. And the amazing thing is not that because we encounter a transcendent God that we change. It's that this transcendent God, the unique God, perfect in every attribute, would decide to stoop down and love me. God's the one that we need to focus on and recognize that he hasn't changed. And uh, he is involved in our lives and wants to be. It's really a hardship when we can't be together and talk. And I know a lot of things are happening online, uh, but boy, it's not the same, is it, as uh, meeting together on a Sunday. And hopefully that day will come soon when, uh, when the quarantines will be lifted and we'll be able to meet again. Uh, until then, those are some thoughts for you this week.